You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode three of the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala. Once again, joined here by DJ Brown. DJ, how you doing, man? Oh, man, another day. Trying to get through these uh, consistent techno- technology errors that we always have. You know, yeah. we suck at this so far. We're, we're only getting worse, I think, right, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You definitely fit like the dad stereotype of being bad with technology so yeah i would say so far i have not been able to figure out how to get my microphone turned on how to get my headphones working uh how to send our awesome guest here that i'm going to introduce in a second a proper link to even join the thing so yeah we're just doing really well it's uh you would think that we'd be getting better but so far it's been wildly worse mike (laughs) yeah you have the perfect face for a podcast but everything else has been really bad (laughs) a perfect face for a video this podcast thanks a lot mike yeah you're welcome (laughs) face for radio like i always say (laughs) Uh, and it's it's kind of a shame mike because you have a face for tv and you're so good looking and strong and muscular and you're single so all the ladies that are listening you know make sure you check him out on on a bumble or bum, <laughs> bumblebee or whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, I feel like promoting my single status on a podcast that's like ninety eight percent dudes is gonna get me really far. <laughs> Especially dads who have daughters who probably want you nowhere near their children. So, but hey, yeah, you know it is I what don't it really is. Really want to be near their children either. <laughs> well, I'm talking the so. old dads. You- Okay. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So let's get try and get on track here. So today we have. Uh, uh, I'm excited to bring on Daniel Pfeiffer. Dan. Dan. Do you go Danny? Daniel. Daniel. Son. Danny boy. What do you think? What do you want to be called today? Yeah. Uh, Dan. Daniel's fine. Uh, not Danny or Danny boy or Danny son. Danny's always been my dad, and I've always been Dan or Daniel. So uh, I'm, a, I'm fine. <laughs> Pfeiffer. Hey, you. Any of that's fine. But like. Uh, yeah, not Danny. We're good. <laughs> okay, Danny boy it is. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, oh there we go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> hey, this is a roast podcast, too. Oh, sweet. Okay, well, good. As long as I can return, we're all right. Absolutely. Return fire as much as you want. All right, deal. Uh, most of the time, we just like to roast Mike. Um, yeah. That's what's fun okay. about it. But, yeah, you I was going to say, how the heck did he end up on a dad podcast? That's what I want to know. Yeah, how did you end up on it, Mike? Um, we've discussed this kind of already. <laughs> I've got a lot of dad-like qualities, obviously. So, which is the only quality that he really has that he likes dad jokes and has a dad. Yeah. So, the threshold to get on the podcast is pretty low. <laughs> yeah, we have a very low bar set here. Uh, so yeah, no, today we are going to be talking about what are stocks. I mean, so this is a stock dad's podcast. We feel like it's pretty important to kind of start off on the right foot of really understanding what stocks are, how they work, um, you know, kind of just gain a better understanding of them. 
And, you know, who better to ask than a, a highly educated, you know, beautiful looking man like Daniel Pfeiffer here in front of me, mm-hmm. uh, who's going to be um, sharing more of that information. But before we do, Daniel, tell us a little bit more about yourself and tell us about your background. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. So um, married, my wife, Haley, uh, we're coming up on our fourth year. I have a two-year-old daughter uh, who is just amazing and running around all over the place right now. So loving that. Um I've been with Northwestern Mutual as our broker dealer uh, for just shy of six years now. Crazy to say out loud, it feels like yesterday. I started this right out of college, so I actually don't know anything different, uh, which has actually been kind of fun uh, just to, to go through that. And so uh, I have a team of eight. We work really, we're, we run a comprehensive financial planning team. So for all you guys listening, all that means to you is I have a ton of tools in the toolbox. Obviously, in the investment space, that's a big portion of what we do, but there's a lot of other elements. So we're going to focus on the stock stock element. Um, I spend most of my time you know, really in the areas. I work with a lot of dentists across the country. Um, and so that's why I was excited when you guys connected, because that's a lot of education at first. They go to school often to be a dentist, not necessarily to be an investor or a business owner. Um, and so love helping them. And a lot of people gearing up for retirement. Um, that's where I spend probably another 30 to 40% of my time. The other side's really helping dentists, you know, build their wealth and, and really help run and manage their practice. And so that's the nitty gritty. Um, if you haven't, if you, anybody looks up on social media, I'm a diehard deer hunter as well. So hopefully I get some of your uh, dads stoked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you, uh, do you do your uh, counseling of the dentist from the dentist chair with your mouth open and their hands in your mouth and all that fun stuff? Uh, yeah, that, that's actually what we do. <laughs> Yeah, I just bounce around different dentists across yeah. the country. I bet you have the cleanest teeth ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So is it true that they, because uh, I feel like, uh, well, this is probably, I don't know. Well, it, you've had a lot of men in your mouth, it sounds like, but. Um, <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> wow, that was quick. All right. Yeah, hey, you know, it is what it is. We got to do what we got to do. No. <laughs> It's all right. Hey, oh man. So, um, so yeah, so stocks, <laughs> let's talk about those instead of, yeah. uh, before we take <laughs> yeah, a turn for, yeah, we're trying to stay PG 13 here. Um, so, yeah. uh, <laughs> let's start with question, question one, right? What is a stock? Yeah. It's actually interesting. You know, I get that question pretty often because like we all think stocks, mutual funds. And, and so how I always describe that is like, a stock is actually owning a piece of some entity. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be um, a voting share, or non-voting share, et cetera. And I can get into some of that down the road. But like a stock is just owning a piece of a company um, that's gone public um, to some extent. So you get to be an owner. You guys get to go across all across the world saying you're business owners. You just didn't know it yet. Yeah, that's awesome. So like we, DJ and I are new to this. Like we invest in Robinhood and just the noob you know, platforms, but we see these and like, we kind of know like what a stock is, but from a technical aspect, we're maybe not as sure. So like, what is the benefit to a company of having a stock listed? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, the, the, the main piece for them is liquidity, um, is getting money into them and their turnaround and giving it back out to you. So oftentimes when you hear client or companies go public, Really what they're needing is an inflow of cash that they're willing to give up equity to continue to grow. Um, so like you think of Amazon, right? Like 
Amazon, he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. And I think he's only like a 15% owner anymore. It's so oftentimes that's what it is. Different cash flow, different opportunities for them. Obviously for you guys, you benefit on the growth of the business and, and whether there's a dividend or not and, and et cetera. So that's how you guys benefit. But the company is going to benefit through the cash flow um, and some of that conversation. So you mentioned dividends. Um, you know, what are dividends and like, how do they work? Like, what is that? do for an investor to invest in something that gives dividends? Sure. So I think to preface that you need to understand like what stocks are going to provide a dividend and which ones like might provide a dividend. So like preferred stock is, is pretty much your guaranteed a dividend. The common stock and, and obviously common is exactly what we think of it. Like it's, it's you know, you talk about Robinhood, like that's going to be most of what you're looking at is going to be a common stock. And so like dividends aren't guaranteed. So what it is, is it's based on how the company has performed a stock company, uh, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, each in each quarter, based on how we're doing, we have to give a portion of our profits back to our stockholders. Um, and so each quarter they're, they're going through that. And so what they're doing, that dividend is a return of profit to you guys in some form. Is that... Is, so that's not something that's like required of the company though, is it? Is that just like a, okay. It's just a benefit, like, you know, kind of enticing people to to you know, invest in them is like, here's, this is kind of what you get from it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of an element of safety is really what you're looking for there. Now, a common stock, like you said, it's not guaranteed or it's not required. So like, sorry for a lot of people out there who do have dividend stocks that are common stocks, like this next six months is probably not going to be super great for you, um, just given all that's going on in COVID. But a preferred stock, they're still paying that out no matter what, which that's why preferred stocks are the way that they are. I mean, there's a lot larger element of safety when you're looking there, whereas obviously you're betting on somebody else winning, like them continuing to grow. That's how you're getting your dividends. So. You could almost look at it like when you're getting paid your dividend, it's like you're getting the shares for cheaper almost. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a form of passive income almost, you know? Uh, very much so. I mean, that's one of the things when we're talking and I don't know the general demographic, but when we are talking to that upper echelon high net worth client, like, that's a phantom income problem often is they're getting dividends in areas that like they're going to pay taxes on. And so those are things to be concerned about down the road. Um, but with, with those who are starting at, at this point, it, unless you guys make a significant income, it's not a big deal. So say like a company does an offering or something, or they're just like doing their initial public offering or whatever. Like, how is the the price determined on these stocks? <laughs> that, I love that one because uh, the, the honest answer sometimes is like no one really knows. Um, but like as it starts trading, it's going to be obviously like let's go back into. Uh, I mean, essentially, the, think of it this way: they're going to try and sell a share. Are going to give you an asking price essentially and if that works great but if like they're not selling at the volume that they want to it's supply and demand and so that's where you'll see that swing so like let's use facebook just because i'm sure all of us remember when facebook goes public for all of you that uh still don't understand that one neither do i i don't understand how facebook went public but we'll, we'll give that a whole other conversation but um it's essentially they said hey you can be a part of our company if you're going to give us x well let's say that they just didn't they expected you know, 20 million shares, I'm just throwing out a number, to trade in that day. And if they didn't trade like 100,000, they'd be like, hey, we gotta bring our price down, right? Yeah. And so they're, essentially the company is based on their net, their worth. Um, they're gonna say, hey, to buy 20% of this company is X, 
how do we split that up to make it affordable to people who invest with us? Um, and so when you see these big, big companies out there who have big you know, stock prices, surprise, surprise, they're worth billions and billions of dollars. Um, and that's what it's just saying is, hey, our, our net worth is X. Like <laughs> to buy in, you have to buy at this price. Sure. So you, you kind of alluded to it uh, a, a minute or two ago, but you, you were talking about large caps and small caps and, and stuff like that. So for some of our listeners, you know, and even myself and Mike, I mean, I, I know what these are, but some of our listeners may not even know what large cap and small cap and like penny stocks or OTC stocks are. Can you kind of define each of those and like kind of just tell us a little bit more about what those terms mean and, and what we're talking about when you use those terms? Yeah, for sure. Um, so over the county, over the counter penny stocks, uh, I'm going to separate into a different category all in itself. So penny stock is anything or over the counter, anything that's not typically going to be traded on like what you guys are talking about, like Robinhood, New York Stock Exchange. Like these are going to be things that are kind of more speculative in nature. Um, they're going to be maybe a little bit more risky, but you have a, a high opportunity to earn you know, pretty good income. Um, you can really re get higher reward, but it's also higher risk. And that's what we often hear in the investment world is like, oh, I could lose a bunch of money. Most of the time when people are talking about that, it's, it, it is actually bad experiences with like over-the-counter penny stocks. They're not bad. They're normally startup companies. They're, 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 they give you that opportunity. Um, and you know, a good pro is there's less regulations. That sounds funny to say that, but there's, there's just, there's less regulations, less trade. But that can be a con is when you go to sell those, that could be less liquid because there's not as much people trading all the time. So like if you needed to sell a position, it may take a little while to get that position sold. And so that, that's kind of the, the pro and con there of, of penny stocks. Whereas what you're referencing there is asset classes. Um, and so, you know, there, there's really nine asset classes out there, eight, depending who you're talking to. Um, so you've got large cap, mid cap, small cap, You've got real estate, commodities. Um, I like to separate international, uh, international developed, um, and then international um, emerging. And then essentially you've got fixed income or bonds, which is already getting confusing because you get multiple names for different things. And then you actually cash is an asset class. And so if I miss one, somebody else let me know. I think I got them all. But so large cap is like the S&P 500. <laughs> um, uh, those are gonna be the large companies in America, mid cap, Really, it's going to be you know the 500 to a thousand, just to give it generality. There, they're they're really established companies, but they're just not in that upper tier of the the Fortune 500. Small cap is is typically going to be startups to maybe five to ten year businesses. Like they're really not they're not taken off. They're really close to. They're typically in high need of of cash, but they're still in that risky phase as their business development. This is a lot of tech companies. This is a lot of medical companies. Um, this is where a lot of them are going to sit. Again, there's a lot of opportunity for high reward, but there's a lot of volatility in that in that sector. Um, real estate, you know, this is not you going out and buying a building. Uh, this is like real estate investment trusts and different things like that. Commodities, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. It's just not something super like appealing to a lot of people right now. But if you want me to, I can. But those are going to be things like gold and mining and things like that. And then international emerging, uh, like anywhere there's a lot of cranes. <laughs> like to me, that's <laughs> um, so like Dubai, <laughs> like that's an, right. it's, it's still an emerging market. I understand that they're very wealthy, but they are still technically an emerging market. Whereas more like Germany or Russia would be a developed country. 
things that look very much like if you went out and looked at them, they look a lot like the United States. And then bonds are like, you know, we're talking mostly a stock. So, that, you know, a bond is going to be essentially buying a debt um, that they're going to pay you a, a typically a fixed income for to hold. That's typically less risky in nature, less volatile. And then cash is cash. Um, there's cash holdings and money markets and different things. But those are the, the nine asset classes out there. So when you hear people talking about it, that's what those those mean there. Um, there's there's really good pieces. And, and I'm a baseball player, so I like to use a lot of baseball analogies. And so like there's nine asset classes. I like always to have nine players on the field. No offense if anybody's Chicago Cub fans out there, but I would much rather have like the all-star team out there than just putting the Chicago Cubs, right? And so if you are a mutual fund investor, um, there's a lot of really good third party outs out there that, that help in that space. You know, make sure that you're choosing the best position um, player. So just like the all-star team would go about it. And they did the same thing for individual stocks is, you know, hey, if you're going to have the best large cap fund. Okay, great. What's that or the same stock? And so you can kind of play those interchangeably. So that, that's how we go about building a, a portfolio. But yeah, so um, you talked about like, what was the term you used? The different uh, asset classes, right? So there's also uh, within those asset classes. So like within stocks, right? You have um, different industries and sectors and stuff like that with like that you can invest in, right? I mean, there's multiple different uh, types of companies out there, right? And that and they all kind of um, fall into some sort of categorization of an industry or a different sector. And those industries and sectors, they kind of, I mean, they kind of all move together. Are they, I mean, do you want to, when you're diversifying your portfolio, I guess, what, how does the industries and sector, uh, how does that really affect how you should diversify your portfolio? Yep. Yeah. So I, I normally, when we're talking diversification, we're, we're really focused on the asset class of which that sector is within. Okay. So I, I'm way more focused on asset classes than I am the sectors, but I did allude to it a little bit there. Like you've got the medical sector, you've got the farm sector. You, I met pharmaceuticals. I had, I actually said farm the other day to somebody, some client, and they were like, wait, farming's a sector. I was like, well, kind of, but like not one that we're going <laughs> to talk about. So um, I want to invest in five cows, four chickens, <laughs> <laughs> and I want three fractional shares of corn. That's what I want. Give me that. That sounds great. Yeah. That's more of a commodity conversation, but yeah, it, it was really <laughs> funny to me. So I had to stop myself there. I've been saying that for years, just say farm instead of uh, pharmaceuticals, but you know, there's different sectors all over the place and those are often going to fall within one of those asset classes. You know, it, it, you guys did a, a podcast earlier um, about the goals conversation. And so Personally, I think you, you got to identify where you're at and when you're making those conversations around sectors or what we're trying to do. I think sectors apply more to short-term gains and losses than they do to long-term. So uh, I'm a big Nick Murray fan. If you guys like to read, uh, read literally all of his material. It's amazing. Um, but for the long-term investor, like we're going to be more focused on the asset class, but the sectors that you can play with within for short-term investments is definitely an opportunity. So can you kind of go into a little bit what the volume and stuff affects like the market prices and like, do you notice that the volume is different in some of these sectors, like depending on maybe time of year or like, are there any kind of factors that play into the volume in the different sectors? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> again, uh, 
ask 20 different people you'll hear different 20 different answers on that one so the first the first question you asked like how does volume well, hold, hold on i would i would really like you to give me all 20 different answers right now so give me every single possible answer that, that you can come up with i want all of them dan okay deal <laughs> If you don't, yeah. I'm calling you Danny Boy the rest of the episode. <laughs> uh, I, I probably earned that one. Thank you. Um, so let, let's answer the volume conversation first. So volume um, is really just per day, or they'll do an average volume. Um, so per day, how many how many stocks are changing hands? So when when things are changing a lot, um, you know that's often when you're going to start seeing some volatility. When people are holding it, you know there's not as much surplus out there. Um, so therefore that drives the price up. But once you start seeing a lot of sells and what's happening there is if there's a lot of sells, but not a lot of buys, that price comes down. When there's a lot of buys, not a lot of sells, then you're, you're driving that price up. So that's, that's how that volume is affecting that price as it bounces back and forth. Volume doesn't, doesn't, hard to interrupt because I'm sure there's yeah. more, but volume doesn't, in my mind, because I'm an idiot, but <laughs> volume always means like to me, and I know this is wrong, and that's why I want to clarify because I'm sure there are people like me that are also not sure about this, but volume always seems to be like the number of people in a stock, right? I mean, like buying, but it's not true, right? It's it's like the number of people buying and selling. Like the, I mean, I, I guess I just don't understand what that number really truly means. Yeah, honestly, I bet you they're probably 95% and honestly, it took me a long time until I started like actually taking my series seven. I don't know that I fully understood it. Um, I kind of always thought it was, Hey, like how many people own the stock? Um, yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking, but I know it's not. So it's not, it's actually how many times in that day is it changing hands? But like if you and I traded the same Berkshire Hathaway stock and just sat there and traded it, we could drive up the volume. Now, granted that's <laughs> intentionally, they have regulations against that, but you and I could just sit there and trade that. And as fast as we can trade it back and forth, you know, that's technically how many times that's changing hands. And so that would drive up how many trades are happening in a day. The average volume then is going to be over a longer period of time. So they're going to say, hey, over the last month, it's traded this many times. That's volume. So if you see 100,000, like your volume is 100,000, which is low, right? I know that. But right, like, yeah. that means that means that that a stock has traded hands a hundred thousand times that day or that whatever time frame, whatever, yeah, whatever time at. frame. Yep. Yep. That's right. exactly the same. Okay. So it doesn't mean like it's been bought a hundred thousand times. Well, I guess it does. Cause every time you buy one, you, somebody's, or every time you sell one, someone's got to buy it. Right. So yeah. it's be a hundred thousand, yeah. I guess, trades. Yeah. In that it's how many times frame. it's trading hands. You are correct. <clears throat> and when you're seeing some of these big, big numbers, I mean, those are corporations buying, I mean, literally millions of, of stock. Like just all of a sudden they're just going to drop. Hey, here's 20 million bucks. When you see those outrageous buys, that's what's happening is corporate investing is going on there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what you're looking at there. So how much of that is, um, or how much do you anticipate or I guess estimate there being manipulation with stuff like that? I mean, like, uh, with corporate entities trying to get their stocks to do one thing and, you know, make the people think that something's happening that's not, you know, what, what does that yeah. look like? Yeah, I, I, I love that question. Uh, so there are actually like, there are regulations against doing some of that. So that's like why you and I can't hop on and just trade the same stock back and forth. <laughs> um, it, it's the same thing. So like Microsoft can't sell Apple, some of their shares, and then, you know, the next day trade them and then trade them back and then trade them back and to, to, to fight that up. Um, they can't make that, that go on. And so there's, there's regulations against that. 
there'd be pretty big, pretty big stipulations that come down. And that's why there's regulatory bodies and all this stuff. So. Gotcha. Yeah. It's kind of the whole discussion around volume is kind of confusing to me because DJ and I try to look at charts and stuff and I hear the term thrown around like, okay, this is a big buy volume day and Mm -hmm. the price is going up and stuff. But like, I guess this conversation has confused me more because like anytime there's a Isn't that where you would look at the candlesticks? So like, so like if it's a volume is coming in and the candlesticks are green, does that mean there's been more eyes happening? know what i'm asking dan yeah i guess i I see (laughs) (laughs) yeah because like if people if somebody says okay like there's a lot of buying volume going on it means there's equally as much selling volume going on because they've got to buy not not always true so or sell the shares right so this this will be fun um so essentially think of it this way you have a stock in which it's appreciating when people are buying or depreciating doesn't really matter let's say that's down here there are pools of stocks out there that the company just has it's not claimed yet so that could be a portion of what you're seeing there there's also just the fact that like the day before somebody literally could have been like hey i want to sell and a bunch of people are clicking sell and then that next day a bunch of people are saying hey this is a hot buy and all of those people are buying hit and buy well they're putting in offers out there maybe there's not enough supply to go out there there typically is i mean it, it's tough to find one that like you can't buy uh, i mean especially if you're doing Robinhood stuff um, penny stocks, you can might run into some issues, but if you're putting out an, an offer out there, you should be able to find something. So it it's really when you've got more people trying to buy than what are trying to sell, that's when you're going to see that, hey, there's a lot of people buying right now. Mm-hmm. So is it more based off of like the orders being placed than the actual maybe like transaction taking place? Yeah, so again, I know volume is going to get confusing. In all honesty, it gets confusing to a lot of our younger advisors, but volume in and of itself is going to like that's the actual reflection of the trade right that is actually what what happened whereas if you hear a lot of people saying they're buying like you can really volume can be used anywhere volume in in my world is how many stocks were traded hands how many times did that move but i mean anybody can say hey there's a lot of buying volume right now and all they're saying is hey there's a lot of people trying to buy the stock that's what gets confusing in this world. And really like, I'm, I apologize on behalf of my industry. They're like, they interchange words all the time. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, why can't we make this easier on people? And so I see that get misunderstood. Um, it's, you know, hey, this everybody's trying to buy this. It's like, okay, great. Like, yeah, I'm going to need you to do something about that, Dan. You yeah, need to I fix will that. get right on that. Let me do that <laughs> Just change the financial industry by next week before yep. this episode airs, you know. And then, Perfect. you know, by I'll then everybody on. will be perfectly knowledgeable on what's going on. So exactly. that's exactly why we have people like you on here because Mike and I are <laughs> stupid idiots that can't figure this stuff out. Because if it's challenging for people who study this for a living, then uh, yeah. what chance do we have, right? Yeah. So I probably shouldn't say this on a stock podcast because it doesn't sound great as an advisor, but like it took me a while to really grab the concept during my series seven. So like, <laughs> like it, it, it really is. I mean, it, it, I have a textbook that I read and I'm like, what? Okay. And then like put the pieces together. Like it took me a long time to really grasp what that's saying on top of it. Like I just had to learn, like people use volume like interchangeably and sometimes it's not actually what it's designed to be used for. Um, so that, I think that's probably where you guys are, might be getting a little confused as people are just yeah. using it interchangeably. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it also just goes to show how valuable somebody at using a financial advisor like yourself or somebody that knows what they're doing is valuable. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not trying to figure this all out on your own. Yeah. Yep. 
So um, next question I want to talk about is market cap. Okay, so market cap, what does that mean? How does it work? Yeah, high level, 30,000 foot view. That's going to be a simple math equation for, it's, it's really being used for market capitalization. That's what it's actually standing for to, to determine the value of that company, okay? So the simple calculate, let's say a company is offering you 10 million shares selling for $100 each. So that market cap of that company is $1 billion. That's what they're using there. So um, that'd be my Cliff Notes version. So Okay, so how does that affect like, um, or does it, I guess, affect, you know, volatility or uh, a stock or does it, I mean, like does a higher market cap really make a difference or lower? Yeah. How does that work? I mean, obviously it's going to, uh, your your trade in and out is going to be the biggest piece there, right? So it, if your shares have dropped, then the market cap drops. If your shares are up, then the market cap rises. So you're going to have some of that. But as far as volatility goes, it's normally going to be if all of a sudden someone's market cap does drop pretty drastically, you're going to have investors kind of get um, nervous or you know they're going to start speculating on why was that? Um, so there's a ton of speculation in our world. So um, that that is really what you're seeing there. So when when you see somebody's market cap that keeps growing, typically that means people feel pretty confident in that company. If you see that thing jumping around quite a bit, maybe they're new. Um, and if you see it just tank, <laughs> uh, typically like investors have lost faith in that company. So kind of in a similar, I guess, vein, can you kind of talk about what a PE ratio is? Like, does that play in to the market cap at all? Or can you just kind of define it? Yeah. Um, so PE uh, would be price to earnings ratio. Some people, you've probably heard um, like an earnings multiple. Um, so it's often used by like different analysts or, or different guys to like determine the relative value of a company share. Um, so like to try and create like an apple to apple comparison. So I want to be very careful there because like it's you almost never can find an apple to apple comparison, but that is what the, the investment group, like that's what they're trying to use to give you, hey, how much value can you could derive from this? Does it affect anything from like a trading standpoint like does is the higher the better like the lower the you know more opportunity for growth or how yep. does that work i mean you, you hit the nail on the head i mean as far as the volume of trading or anything that's not normally going to get shifted by pe um it's really going to be people looking to buy like hey this has a pretty good upside or you know if you're buying a pretty safe stable stock you're probably paying a premium to get into that stock which your earning may not be as reliable your earning might be I'm just going to give it a number. It'd be boring, but let's call it 5%. Um, you know, that that might be where you're at. And that's just what you're looking for there. So it's a trade-off, really. It's a trade-off metric. It's pretty much just trying to, um, assuming all companies reported their earnings accurately, <laughs> it's just trying to uh, determine how much value you could over a long period of time drive from that. Um, so I guess I have like, I have two more high level questions, like just a uh, like quick overview of kind of what they mean and what they, so that we as noobs uh, can understand it better. So can you talk, I mean, actually current event news, like uh, Tesla just announced like a big stock split, right? So what does that mean? Why would a company do that? What's the benefit for the company? And like, does that benefit the buyer? Does it hurt the buyer? I mean, what is that? I mean, is that long term, it can help a buyer. Um, but I mean, essentially what they're doing is their their price had gotten to, and I knew it was pretty high. Honestly, I didn't look this morning. So 
let's just give it a number. Let's just say it was 700. I'm sure somebody's going to call me out on it, but I really don't know off the top of my head. So let's just say that it was 700 and they determined that that was way too high for any investor or average investors to get in. Again, what they're looking for from their side is to continue going. They're wanting typically some type of influx of cash. So they're splitting shares. And what that does, it allows for more trading, um, allows for really just more and lower barrier entry. Um, let's see here. Apple did that not long ago. Same thing. Their stock had gotten, it was averaging right around that 700, 750 range. And so they split and then it was about 300. Um, and who knows where it's at today. But so, so the purpose is basically to get people like Mike and I who can't afford multiple Tesla you know, stocks to be able to kind of participate a little bit more in their you know, business. It's just getting more participation. So now let's say I own a Tesla stock and they split long-term. How does that help me? Or because of the added volume, maybe that's going to come in and the, because more people are going to get involved with it and stuff like that. Sure. So that's definitely one way. I mean, if you get a lot of people buying, what it's going to do is appreciate your value. So um, essentially what's happening at that point is they're splitting the share. Okay. So let's say you owned one for $400 only because I want to make my math easy. They've split it. Now you've got two shares that are each valued $200, correct? So started with 400, you still have 400. Now let's say um, that share now appreciates to 400 a share. Okay. Now how much, how, again, how much money would you have? 800. Yep. So you give it 800. Boom, nailed it. <laughs> you put me on spot with some math. Nice, Deej. <laughs> cool. Whew. Dude, dude, you using a calculator? <laughs> no, that was all up here. And for my listeners, I'm pointing my big, wow. bald, shiny head. Oh, man, that was that's the sweatiest I've gotten in a while. You gave me my palms got sweaty. <laughs> okay, so sorry. Back to back to that. I got eight hundred dollars worth now. So okay. what, what it's doing is it's giving you the higher opportunity because what, what you guys as, as individual stock investors, what you're trying to do is get a, the highest value per share. And so if it's splitting your net, so your $800, theoretically, what they're saying is they're going to attribute that faster. Or it's going to grow faster. And so now instead of having 20 stocks worth 400, you now have 40 stocks worth 400. And a lot of times what you'll see what happens is a stock will split you'll see this influx of people go in and then you've got all these people who did just have that split. Well, that price gets driven up. That stock might get to, let's call it 300, but because they have so many more shares, they actually have more value in their back pocket. And then oftentimes you'll see it dip back down really quick because they're like all selling their gains. <laughs> so, um, but that's, that's what you're seeing there. It's just for you as an investor, a stock split's great as long as you're willing to hold on to it for the long period of time. What about a reverse split? Is that's that's different, right? It's like, is that also good or is it not? Because I feel like that I've seen that be not as good. I would say it's not as good typically. Um, so think of it this way, you know, by splitting, they're trying to get more liquidity in their shares. They're trying to get more trading volume, et cetera. They're trying to do the opposite the other way. Um, and so if they then redo a reverse stock split, I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. It does, it does give you less opportunity to grow. Hmm. And definitely scare some investors away. It can, yeah. It, I, I'm not enthralled when I see it. Let's just put it that way. Sure. Do you see that more in penny stocks or small cap companies than you would in larger cap? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then the last question that I want to ask before we wrap it up and talk 
not stock stuff, I guess, is uh, um, offerings. How does that work? I mean, is it similar to the split type of a thing? I mean, what? Uh, tell me about offerings and what do they mean? Are they good? Are they bad? You know. So you're saying like somebody is going into an IPO? Is that what you're asking? No. So no. So like uh, like not. Well, I mean, we could talk about initial offerings too. But you know, like uh, like if a stock just does an offering, like they're gonna throw out like an example, like. 10,000 shares, at, I'm just saying numbers here, but 10,000 shares at like, you know, 50 cents a share. At like a reduced price, yeah. basically. And then, but you like, let's say I'm in that stock for the offering and I have like, all my shares are a dollar, right? So they're offering up a whole bunch of shares for like half the price of what I own them for. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. What is, yeah. How does that kind of work? And why did they do it, I guess? Why did they do it? I mean, often again, so anytime you guys see something that's going on, like, they're often looking for liquidity in stock. Like almost all of this stuff can be going back to they want more liquidity or they want less liquidity. Uh, it, it's you can almost always trace it back to that. So, <clears throat> so in that scenario, they're probably in a really bad hurrying for cash. Um, that, that's almost always when you see that. And so they're saying, hey, even though we know we can get this here, we're going to do this because we need cash now. <laughs> like right this second. So they're saying because we investors look at that and say, hey, this is a great deal. I'm going to go out and buy that right now. The thing that it does kind of hurt for the investor who holds it currently, it does bring your value down a little bit because they're doing that. It's normally pretty temporary. I mean, it's not going to be something that's going to last the long hold. And they often are going to offer those to people who are current owners first or current stockholders first. And, and, and then they kind of move out the line. Typically, it doesn't normally make it that far outside the line or there's not that many that make it outside the people who already own it. So it doesn't hurt you too bad. Yeah, it's almost all of it can go back in liquidity. Cool. Mike, do you have any follow-up questions? Um, no, not really. I mean, I, based off of that kind of response, it sounds like an offering is basically like a discount almost on a stock. Yeah. So I, I see a lot of people like the other day when the everything dropped really hard right there at the end. Like I hear a lot of people that like, <laughs> they're like freaking out. Like for all your listeners and everybody, whoever works with me, when you hear that, as long as you're pre-retirement, I want you guys to think you're standing in Walmart, like hearing Walmart scream over the intercom, like, hey, attention Walmart shoppers, like a bunch of stocks are on sale. That's what I want you guys to think. Um, it's the same thing there. It's more like a, hey, it's kind of a BOGO if you think of it that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a good that's a good analogy because I've been sweating uh, hard lately <laughs> looking at my portfolio, you know, because it's uh, uh, I'm still, uh, you know, new to this stuff. So it's still I'm um, still learning the the trading psyche and, and, yeah. uh, you know, trying not to get too freaked out with that kind of stuff. And it doesn't help when I have a guest come on and start making me do math in front of <laughs> listeners. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I can't handle all this. My blood pressure's up. Uh, uh, so, all right, well, let's, um, let's wrap it up with some, with some dad stuff, right? I mean, this is a dad podcast after all. So tell me, and what's your favorite part about being a dad? I mean, like what's been the best, know thing so far that you've learned and what, what do you want to share with other listeners out there or mike i guess who's probably our only non-dad listener <laughs> teach him something mike how many times tell i have to tell you this is a podcast if you put a thumbs up people can't see it <laughs> <laughs> i just want i just wanted to uh give you some 
you know, affirmation. validate you. Yeah, I wanted to validate you. <laughs> All right. Mike does a lot that of like responding to the camera because he's so involved with how good he looks in the camera. <laughs> and he doesn't realize that people are only listening to us. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say you look really, you have, you have a nice tat there. Uh, uh, it's pretty sweet. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I wore the sleeveless for uh, for the guests so they can see how, don't, how cool I am. Don't with my blow tattoo. up his head anymore. <laughs> it's, as soon as you're off, Dan, he's going to lean back in his chair and he's going to flex while we talk about how it went. It's all he ever does. Yeah, uh, man. It's happened a time or two. <laughs> the Very life bad. he leads, you know, being able to go to the gym whenever he wants and, you know, all yeah, sorts of fun exactly. stuff. Just, uh, anyways, Dan, what's your favorite part about being a dad? Yeah, I, I think my favorite part being a being a dad is like uh, how much like your well for me it's my daughter or your kid like how much they desire you no matter what your day's been like I can have the worst day in the world and I walk in the door and like she is pumped uh, and just I love that like how much that dad like being a dad with that like the, you get to be the fun parent typically you're the one who's playing uh, you're the one who gets to make them laugh and and. It's just it's so much more fun on that side. You're always the one teaching things, not saying that mom can't, but oftentimes, you know, she, by the time I walk in the door, she's like, here, she's yours. Um, and so uh, I just love getting to be that. I mean, it's just so much fun and be present. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I know how important that is for kid development too. Yeah, it is really cool to watch them grow and, and to be like their person, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's like of all the people in the whole world that they could love and like go to and the, the people that they interact with, but that's still like nothing's like mommy and daddy, you know, yep. it is pretty cool. So you also mentioned that you hunt. Uh, I'm sure that we've got several listeners out there that yeah. are interested in this. Do you make like deer jerky or I anything? Do. I do. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Mike's gonna ask you for Yeah, I'm uh I'm gonna ask for some snacks. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you should have supplied that ahead of time so we could have been chomping on it during the yeah, podcast. I don't know what that would sound like to our listeners, but uh just more meat in the mouth jokes, am I right, Mike? Yeah, I was just yeah, I was just thinking like, should I go yeah, there? I was waiting for it after the first one. I wasn't gonna have that. But anyway, uh <laughs> Yeah, well, anyways, let's yeah. uh, move on. Yeah, exactly. What kind of hunting do you do, Dan? What kind of yeah, hunting well, do you do? I'm a, I'm a diehard whitetail hunter. Um, to, it's an addiction. I will openly admit to that. Um, I am 99% an archery hunter. Um, and so um, I hunt largely the Midwest. So Indiana is where I'm at. Um, big, big, big deer place. Um, I go out to Kansas. I go out to Missouri. Um, this year I'll be going to Illinois. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm almost solely an archery hunter. I uh, love it. Love the process. I've shot competitive archery in the past. So just really, really love that. Um, and, and chasing and growing big deer, it's a lot of fun for me. And so it is truly an addiction. My wife will tell you, I'm, it's a 365-day uh, season. So um, love it. So if we ever have, like, the Hunger Games, I want Dan on my side so we can just <laughs> – or popping people off from the distance. You yeah, know? I'm. Uh, I'm gonna give you a little spoiler, Dan. You do not want DJ on yeah, your side. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that familiar, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll just eat all the snacks and sit in the corner while you protect me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if I can find some Wi-Fi, maybe watch some Netflix. You know, something. Exactly. <laughs> so, what's the biggest one you ever got? So last year I shot. It was a 19. 19- uh, 19 point buck it scored 191 inches um 
Yeah, it was an absolute monster. Don't know a whole lot about deer hunting, but I do know that that's a lot of points. Because <laughs> I do know a little bit about Do you guys actually get the luxury of the camera? Uh, oh, oh, he nice. just pulled out a whole deer head. <laughs> hey, oh, that's a sweet picture. You're going to have to send us that for the show notes so our listeners can see it. That's awesome. I have a client who... Um, who is an archery business owner. And uh, I was meeting with him video wise and I was in my kitchen and that deer is actually mounted. And I took a screenshot with him. So I'll, I'll send that to you. Yeah, shoot, shoot it over to us for sure. So you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Love it. So uh, do you have any dad jokes for us, Dan? <laughs> yeah, uh, we were texting back and forth earlier. There were When you said that, there were two that came to mind. Um, and so they were both things that my dad always, always said. And so um, it's always interesting when you do dad jokes because they're always meant to be responsive. Um, so I was like, man, do I send him the dad joke? And he asked me, but um, I always remember as a kid, like really, really little, one of my first memories is it, I always asked my dad to put my shoes on. Like, I don't know why, like it, it's really goofy now. And now my daughter does it now. So it's really kind of hilarious that I get to do that. Um, but it's the same thing every time. So she'll be like, hey dad, like, can I put, can you put my shoes on? And granted she's two, so she's not quite that elaborate. It's normally daddy put shoes on. Um, I'm like, no, nah, you know, honestly, I just don't think they'll fit me. And I'll like, I'll walk away for a second. And she's like, <laughs> hey, looks around, looks up my arm, like, hey. Like. Uh, that's actually really funny. I had heard that one. That's funny. And then the one that like drives my wife nuts, like every single time. My dad said this a ton and I just apparently had to say it when I became a dad. Um, so she'll always ask me like, hey, like what sounds good to eat tonight? Every time. Food. She's like, nah. And she gets frustrated now. That's a classic. She's like, I fell for it. What kind yeah. of food? Uh, the kind you eat. Like, what other kind of food do you have? And so I do that, like, all the time now. It's, it's like, one of the biggest inside jokes in our house now. So um, she tries to ask that question now. Like, she's, you'll see her think. And she's like, how do I ask this so we can't say that every time? It's awesome. So those are Which restaurant favorite. would you like to consume edible foods from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, can, what edible foods do you want to eat tonight? <laughs> Like, all right. <laughs> no, that's really funny. My dad always did the same stuff too. Like he, uh, one of the ones that always drove me absolutely nuts. But of course, now that I'm a dad, I do it to my wife and kids the same way. Every time we drove past a cemetery, he'd be like, "Hey, you see that place over there? That's a pretty popular place. People are just dying to get yeah, in there." In there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. it's such a it's such an eye roller. You know what I mean? Like exactly. that's I think the best part about dad jokes. You got another one for us? Yeah, my dad, I, it just popped in my head. My dad used to always, we always you know, you your kids walk up and like, hey, dad, like, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, hey, hey. And so my dad would always say, hey, just, just like, you're just like out of nowhere. He's like, uh, what did he say? Oh, buy, hey, if you buy a farm, well, oh gosh, now I'm going to mess it up for all your, your viewers. But, oh, no. Oh, pressure's on. This is payback for giving me a math question, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So, so We'd come up and we'd say, hey, dad. And he'd say, hey, straws cheaper, grass is free. Buy a farm, you'll have all three. Um, and he said that to me all the time. Every time. I'm like, what the heck, dad? Like, why? Like, this isn't even fair. Like, so I just quit saying, hey, dad. It was just dad. I think all dads have their own variation of that joke because my dad always used to say, hay's for horses, better for cows. Pigs don't need it because they don't know how. So <laughs> I haven't heard that it's one. A, That's awesome. Yeah, it's a uh, Mike's just over there rolling his eyes like, man, this is yeah, the worst. Very <laughs> bored. <laughs> this is the worst. Uh, start practicing now. That's that's the only thing I gotta say. <laughs> yeah. 
As soon as you become a daddy, Mike, it's they're gonna just come out of you like uh, sweat from your sweat from your palms, like DJ when he's asked a math question. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. So, oh man, well, um, I I just want to thank you, Dan, for coming on today, and thank you for uh, all the great, valuable information, the great content. Uh, I definitely want to encourage people to. Uh, you know, check you out and uh, I'm going to get some information from you and put it in our show notes so that you can, uh, um, so that we can spread that. And I know you're part of the dad, stock dads community as well now. And if you, uh, um, if, uh, if anybody isn't part of the stock dads community, make sure you join up. It's a great, you know, community to jump into and, and have fun and learn about stocks and try and build generational wealth together. So, um, but yeah, it was really cool having you a lot of great stuff. Uh, hope to have you on again in the future. And, um, I guess that's going to wrap it up. Do you guys have any any closing thoughts, any last words? I just thanks, thanks again. I appreciate you guys reaching out and asking. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I didn't know what to expect going into a, you know, I always make the dumb joke. If you go to a party and people are talking about stocks, go to a different party. So I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> it's, it's a, lot, it's a lot more fun. So thanks, thanks to you guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's uh, it's just gonna be the nature of the show. We're just gonna have to figure out how to make some of this boring stuff somewhat kind of fun, you know, without putting our mm-hmm. listeners to sleep. But all right, yeah. man. Well, I gotta go cut the grass and uh, you know, maybe throw some stocks on the grill. So we're gonna be out. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You bet. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.